huge, massive, important visit for Ole Miss today. The transfer portal has entered the giveth section, I do think, of the year. Anyway, this is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So please subscribe when you go there. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. And as you can see from the rundown on the side, the transfer portal is potentially in a good place for Ole Miss football. We're going to talk about a football visiting that is happening today. We're going to talk about basketball because we we it's a main story that's going to happen. We're going to talk about basketball players coming in as well. And then the linebacker room post-spring report card is due. So let's start off with Keon Coleman visiting today, the wide receiver out of Michigan State who has transferred. He is being heavily recruited and has already official visited to Florida State. This is going to be a big boys type competition, just like Jalen Key, a big boy competition there as well. So it's not a home run that Ole Miss might get him, but when it comes to a receiver that is built like this, Ole Miss has as good a chance as anybody with the track record they've had over the last few years. Last year, he went for 58 catches, nearly 800 yards, had seven touchdowns. He really was good at contested catches. He honestly does a lot of the same stuff that we were praising Chris Marshall for in the spring. This would be a one-for-one type replacement. He would do a heck of a job. He is a wide receiver out of Opelousas, Louisiana, which means that he probably has a relationship with Pete Golding as well, and he is going to have three years of eligibility wherever he transfers to. He's a really, really good football player. He went for 155 and five catches against Michigan with a long of 51 yards. That's still four for nearly 100, averaging over 25 yards a catch other than that 51-yard catch. That was a big moment for him as well. Struggled a little bit, two for 26 against Illinois, but that could have been Peyton Thorne's doing. Um, Since I didn't see the game, I'm just going off numbers. He only went one for six yards against Ohio State, but going against that defense could always be difficult. He did go eight for 91 against Penn State, who was 11th in the country at the time. He ripped apart. Okay defenses, 9 for 116 at Washington and a loss. He did not play early in the season very much. He did have 4 for 84. I take that back um, on September 2nd. He went 2 for 36. So he established himself pretty well. This, This is a player that Ole Miss can use. This isn't a player that intrigues me. This isn't a player that maybe Ole Miss should go after. Ole Miss should definitely go after this player. And we saw Lane Kiffin a couple of days ago on Twitter tweeting and retweeting Keon Coleman-type stuff. An official visit gets set up. Um, You saw Kelvin Bolden tweet about it yesterday morning, and now all of a sudden Keon Coleman is going to take his second official visit to Ole Miss. Now, what does that mean? Well, yesterday or this weekend, whenever we were talking about that, the loss of Chris Marshall may put the quarterback competition a little bit different. It's a little bit different when outside the numbers is not as good. 
That's just the way it is, especially when a quarterback like Jackson Dart leans on the outside the numbers receiver so much. It just does. So this receiver would kind of bring it back up to where it was after spring. Now, Chris Marshall had to learn in spring. Keon Coleman, if he came to Ole Miss, would have to learn in fall, which I'm sure he would. You have Trey Harris as well. You have a chance for this wide receiver room to be even better than it already is. Because even without Keon Coleman, this group has a chance to be pretty special. Shane Hook saw that. That's the reason he left. There's some talented players on this team already. But Keon Coleman would next level take it. Now, we're doing our rundowns, our post-spring report cards of positions. And the offensive unit, it was like just glowing reviews all the way through. We told you exactly why this position group should be better than last year. and But now that we've gotten to the defensive side of the ball, you'll see why that is so important. And a player like Keon Coleman would provide Ole Miss with another weapon on the outside that defenses have to account for. You could have a wide receiving starting unit of Keon Coleman and Trey Harris within a 12 personnel package with Michael Trigg and Caden Priestcorn. That is a physical mash you unit. And then you have Quinshawn in the backfield, and you just see the skill position at a level that Ole Miss has not seen. Even without Zach Evans, this team has a chance to be very special because of what's going on, because they're adding to skill rooms, because they're not targeting ads, I don't think, other than defensive line and players on the defensive side of the ball. But an offensive player, I think if they just have a chance to get a good player, somebody that makes them better, they will take it. That's the reason they recruited Logan Diggs, who visited South Carolina this weekend. We're still waiting to hear um, how that goes. But, you know, Quinshawn Logan, that could be a heck of a weapon. Then you add a Keon Coleman with a Trey Harris on the outside, and you have enough weapons to where teams are going to have trouble covering these Ole Miss players. They're going to have trouble doing what they need to do just in the sense of trying to play defense against this team. There's not really anybody that you can take away that would just destroy the offense. Last year, towards the end of the season, Quinshawn, you could just focus everything on Quinshawn because you knew how special of a running back he was. And on the outside, it you didn't really have to worry about it. Malik Heath played really well. Jonathan Mingo went in the second round. Good wide receivers. But the way the offense ran and, and the things that they did, the problems that they had, kind of limited this offense. Moving into this year, I don't see that really at all. I, I see a situation where Keon Coleman could come here, literally stay for one year, catch 80 or 90 footballs, and go to the NFL. That's the type of year that I think Keon Coleman could have at Ole Miss. And remember, Lane Kiffin is the type to force-feed a special player the ball. So if Keon Coleman comes here and proves that he deserves it, he will find a way, just like Amari Cooper, to get him the football regularly. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to shift gears temporarily to basketball, and we're going to talk about Alan Flanagan and what Chris Beard and the Ole Miss men's basketball team they're putting together. It should be quite good. But first, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. We do all know that Mississippi is a brick-and-mortar play, so if you want to gamble on sports in the state of Mississippi, you have to go to a brick-and-mortar casino. That's fine. But if you go to Louisiana, if you go to Tennessee, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, Delta, Louisiana, Memphis, Jackson, Tennessee, Nashville, over to Gatlinburg, you can use the FanDuel Sportsbook, and it is safe and secure to use. There's no better place to bet a playoff action bet than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we're either going to have Derek Vandegrift or John Gillespie. Life happened. John couldn't come on the show today, but he said he was going to do it later on in the week. We'll see how it all goes, but we also are going to be interviewing Derek Vandegrift. And also tonight, um, Pratt Rogers will be available as well, so you can catch him as well. This channel is going to be bumping um, for the offseason quite a bit, I do believe. But it's something you should pay attention to as well. Alan Flanagan, the son of Wes Flanagan, has entered the transfer portal. And numerous rooms, rumors and insiders and experts around there are saying that um, the natural landing spot is for him to play for Wes, the assistant coach at Ole Miss, um, next season. Alan Flanagan has averaged this season 10.1 points a game, five rebounds a game, assist and a half, solid player, 44% shooter as a 6'6", 220-pound guard. Now, I do think this is interesting because Wes Flanagan is an Auburn guy. He is. Even though he coached at Auburn, you know, he's an Auburn guy. But his brother, Jason Flanagan, is an Ole Miss guy. So, Uncle Jason has been the only player in the family that has played for Ole Miss basketball until Alan Flanagan will. He, he might play for both. So we'll see exactly what happens there. Now let's let's kind of look at this basketball team as it is being constructed. And if I miss anybody, I do apologize for it. I'm not intending to do that. But you have a point guard that Ole Miss has gotten in the transfer portal window. And you have T.J. Caldwell that has run point. So that's two players with experience running the point. You have Matthew Morrell. You have Alan Flanagan. You have Brandon Murray. You have players like this just popping up. You have um, Jamin Brakefield. You have Jamarian Sharp. You have a team that is being built almost in a completely different image than it was last year, even though they're going to play in a very similar way. You're adding points. Alan Flanagan averaged 10.1 last season. We told you last week, the number of players on the roster right now, and it was like six, the number of players that has come in averaged 56 points a game last year, something like that. Many, many SEC games, the final score was at like 59 points. 60 points. So adding Allen would take that to like 66 points, and you're already flirting with 70 a game. Now, I understand that they're coming from different places and it doesn't work, but we're talking about people that can score. 
You're not going to have the black hole that you had this season when it came to points to where if for some reason the three-point shot just wasn't going, there was no hope for an inside game. This year could be a little bit different. They've they've loaded up on wing-type players. The point guards are there. They've handled, it looks like, the backcourt and the front court. You do have the players like Jamin Brakefield and Jamarian Sharp, and they still have players that are going to add. Rashad Marshall, players like that. I don't know about Jacob Gazzo. Um, we'll see exactly what he does as well. But this team is absolutely trending in the correct direction for Chris Beard in his first year at Ole Miss. This, I, dare I say it, NCAA tournament type team if he comes to Ole Miss? I mean, it just kind of is what it is, right? You have a team that players that can score the basketball. If you have five players that can make a shot for you and get a bucket when you need it, when last year we didn't have one, the upgrade will be immense. That 10-minute period that you went sat through last season in games to where you just couldn't buy a bucket. You might have been playing really good for 25 minutes and were up by two or three points, and then there's just a 10-minute drought to where you play really good defense but you look up and you're down by 12 and it's over. You're not coming back from 12 points down. Not with this offensive team. That's a, that seems to be a thing of the past. As this team has the ability to score the basketball. This team has a chance to be a fun team. And if you have not gotten season tickets for this first Ole Miss basketball season, I think it's going to be fun. That's the most important thing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting Exciting the way they play. It's going to be something that you want to be a part of, right? This team is being built slowly because, you know, when you have a transfer window, you have all the players that can get into it, but the recruiting doesn't necessarily stop. So you have a situation to where you're going to recruit them, honestly, for the next month or two. And you're going to try and build your roster out either through high school recruiting, which there are still some players that have yet to sign and some players that have requested releases from their um, NLI. And you're going to have the transfer portal of players going in there. I do think Ole Miss needs a shooter. And all these players can, some of these players can shoot. That's not what I'm saying. I think they need that, you know, what made that 97 team so effective was Keith Carter, honestly. Because of the threat that he posed behind the three-point line and how you had to respect that opened things up for Ansu and players like that. I think Ole Miss needs somebody that they can count on 40% outside the arc. If they can find that guy, this team has a chance to be really good in year one. In year one. So we'll see exactly how that goes. In 22-23, like I said, Alan Flanagan, 10.1 points a game, five rebounds, an assist and a half, and a basically right below a steal a game. So it's somebody that's going to play some defense, going to get you some baskets. His free throw percentage was around 75%. He would be a really good pickup for the Chris Beard roster and for his father, Wes Flanagan, at Ole Miss. Now, this is something whenever all of this happened with before Wes Flanagan, his, his name really broke as being a real possibility for Ole Miss. 
one of my Auburn people reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, you, you need to look out for this first and then this second. And he told me that he's like, hey, it looks like Wes Flanagan's going to end up in Oxford. And if he does, Alan Flanagan is probably going to look to the NBA draft. And if he doesn't hear the number that he wants to hear, he's probably going to transfer to Ole Miss. That was told to me. Now, whether or not you can believe it, whether or not anything's going on, it looks like it's coming true at the moment. So we'll be really cool about that. I mean, I, I'm, re- I'm really fired up about what Chris Beard is doing in Oxford right now and look forward to what they can do next year. Anyway, the next segment, we're going to do our linebacker room post-spring report card. Yeah, we're going to talk about Ashanti Seastrunk, Kari Coleman, Monty Montgomery. Even maybe drop a Snoop White in there. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to do that in just a second, so stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications for notifications that when we release a new video. And, of course, comment and upvote down below. We'd appreciate it very much. We're growing like a weed over here on this channel. And, you know, we're adding perspectives and we're adding, honestly, we're working on our After Dark channel. The other channel that is going to be more, much more varied than the Locked On channel. Looking at TV and movie reactions and, heck, there's going to be an Ole Miss baseball podcast on there. And, you know, stuff like that. We're working on a Mississippi high school show to be on that channel as well. So we want it to be um, completely random. Off the rails is kind of the brand of that channel. And, of course, the main show on that channel is SEC After Dark, where I'm joined by Corey Burton. Um, Jake Thomas and Jeb Beecham, all of which support different SEC teams, and we just kind of goof off and talk about what's happening. Our real strength is football season, but right now, I I mean, we're going to get a little bit off the rails as well. So that's Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, SEC after dark as well. So in this linebacker room post-spring report card, You know, we talked about all the time that questions are the thing du jour, honestly, with this Ole Miss football team defensively. And that is just because this team has recruited, and recruited honestly pretty well, to this 3-2-6 that they were running, to where you have a lot of box safeties, a lot of in-between type players that makes a change a little bit more difficult. So players like... Ladarius Tennyson, you know, you wonder about players like that. Santarian Perkins even coming in, although I think he is going to be absolutely fine. And just for so everybody knows, I watched multiple practices. He played linebacker every time. Not defensive back, linebacker. He was probably a Will or a Sam at 215 pounds. I expect him to be a linebacker at Ole Miss. I I think about him from time to time at Husky um, or a Husky-type position, the hybrid defensive back linebacker that is a part of this defense. But I don't know if you want the other team to be able to scheme him away from the line of scrimmage. So it might be a situation where he comes in like Patrick Willis and plays behind Monty Montgomery. He probably gets 20 or 30 snaps a game or something like that because he's just a terrific football player. 
anytime he steps on a football player, he's the best player on it. That That's what we noticed last year. But do you do that or do you put him in that hybrid position to where if he's covering that, people can run him off the line of scrimmage. They can eliminate his effectiveness. Or would it look a little bit like Tony Connor did in 2014? I These are just questions that I'm asking out loud because I am intrigued at how they're going to use Ontarian Perkins because, honestly, we're not 100% sure. To me, he is a prototypical, like, will linebacker in the spread offense role. You need to figure out a way to put 10 pounds on him. You need to get him to 225 and turn him loose towards the line of scrimmage. Let him cover tight ends. Let him cover the early part on RPOs on slot receivers. I think he would do a really good job at that. And then somebody can handle into the Husky type role that we're kind of expecting him to fit in. Honestly, if you're listening to this show in the comment section down below, how would you handle Suntarian Perkins in year one at Ole Miss, knowing that he's probably coming to Ole Miss in between 210, 215 pounds. That, I mean, that's what we're expecting. Knowing that, how would you handle year one with a player like Suntarian Perkins? He's going to play. We know that. It's just how is he going to play? Is it going to be a mix and match thing where he plays a little husky and he also plays a little bit of will to where you can move him around, kind of like Harold Perkins did last year? I don't think he's going to play middle linebacker. I, I think that Ashanti Seastrunk and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste is going to have that on lock. And people worried about Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste and Monty Montgomery realized that it was 15 practices. And by the time the season starts, it's going to be completely different players going through a similar situation to get a little bit more comfortable with their surroundings and what's going on. And all of this stuff, it can really, really help them in the fall. I do think the starting linebackers are going to be Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste and Monty Montgomery. I think Monty Montgomery is a headache-type player. And I think Monty Montgomery is going to allow you to be able to put Suntarian at that Husky position when you want a 4-3 athletically. Whenever you are playing against a team that wants to run the football, like whenever Alabama, we play Alabama next year, when they want to run the football, and, and this isn't the Alabama the past couple of years. Saban has completely reverted to pre-Lane Kiffin years because he saw what Georgia did. You're going to see tight ends get used. You're going to see them pound the running back. You're going to see them play field position and time of possession. All of the things that were benchmarks of Nick Saban in 2010, 2011, 2013, you are going to see that come back. So in games like that, when Ole Miss plays Georgia, games like that, and you want a 3-4 or a 4-3 type look, does Centarian play that Husky role a little bit more just because you want him near the line of scrimmage? I think it's 4-2-5 or 3-4 based off the jack, but you know we need a jack. We have to find a jack, and we can talk about a jack again, even though we talked about it yesterday because it's a hybrid defensive line linebacker position. Sam Williams would have been perfect to be a jack. Absolutely phenomenal. He was kind of perfect for what he did anyway, but you get my point. 
We'll see what this defense does. I think Ashanti Seastrunk has a chance to be a performer as well. I think, honestly, once they start mixing and matching, the two you're going to see on the field at the same time is probably Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste and Ashanti Seastrunk. And then, situationally, Perkins and Montgomery, maybe a Snoop White, um, comes into the fold as well. There's a situation where Ole Miss is going to try and run a true 3-4. I I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, But I think it's like in short yardage, you put three, you know, J.J. Pegues, Jamon Gordon to go with Josh Harris, and then on the outside you put Jared Ivey and Cedric Johnson. Those are your outside backers. I think that is the 3-4 and the direction that they're leaning that way. It's a lot of interesting stuff. I'm really fired up about um, what could happen, but there's a lot of questions on this defense. And this next podcast, tomorrow's podcast, we're going to talk about the either the cornerbacks or the safeties, and it's going to be all questions, just questions all over the field. I mean, it's, it's questions the rest of the week. But you know why we enjoy college football? Questions. These things, these hope things. It's not necessarily about blind loyalty or anything like that, but it is about hope and what you can get out of it. I'm pretty fired up. Uh, Yeah, it's nothing new to say, but I'm pretty fired up about what the defensive line and linebacker can become if everything goes well. Understandingly admitting that there are a ton of questions on the D-line and the linebacker position. It's one of the reasons this offense is being built up so much, and they're trying to find playmakers wherever they can. They want to be in a position to where if a shootout happens, they're going to be fine. That is why Lane Kiffin is doing the things the way he is doing. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, John Gillespie or Derek Vandegrift, um, depending on life and what's going on. Um, like I said, John couldn't make it today, but he's going to say he's going to do it the rest sometime later in the week. We're going to talk Elite 11 once he comes on as well. But tune in for that as well, and I hope everybody had a great Tuesday. We are well into it now. And um, Sirius XM, the partnership, we're going to start plugging games that are on TV, uh, on the radio there, and what channel you can listen to them. You can tune in for that. Heck, into the fall because every Ole Miss game will be on Sirius XM radio then. So that'll be pretty cool as well. But I hope everybody has a good day. Um, Watch your other videos, follow, subscribe, have a good time. And, of course, have fun following Ole Miss sports because that's the reason we started doing this is so people could have fun again. If you do that, everything will be all right. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. Peace. (laughs) Thank you.